Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Really uh, very excited about my guest this uh, segment, Alyssa Powers. She is with the uh, Washington Post. She's been on the show before, but even before she was on the show, I was familiar with her work. Uh, any long-term listener of the show knows that I've been doing an ongoing series with the Post just about every week now for almost two years. It's one of my favorite segments. And uh, what we do is we really talk about some of the best writing that's going on at the Washington Post. And Washington Post, even though I'm right of center, and Washington Post is left of center, I would think most would say, uh, I, it's one of my favorite publications because no one has the depth and breadth of coverage that the uh, that the uh, Post has. Very few do, actually. Uh, three of my favorite publications are the Post and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. And, uh, and it, again, it's, it's, it, again, it has a lot to do with the fact that they are true newspapers of record, which are harder and harder to come by. I am uh, so glad to have you on the program. Welcome back. Great to be here. And I was telling you uh, before before the segment began, uh, you're one of those writers I do look for. I, I do keep an eye on your work. And uh, really one of the reasons why is because of the fact that you really take a contextual look at the stories you're talking about. You bring a visual feel. You bring a uh, multiple storylines, all of which provides kind of a, of a mosaic of your topic that's extremely memorable and uh, really useful for conversation with others. I actually qu- have quoted your work uh, to others. And so uh, love having you on and love that we get to share one of your recent stories that I think is really important. And it's so funny that, that I saw this uh, this morning when it was sent to me. I would have gotten to it by the end of the day, but they sent it to me first thing with you being on. And I was thinking about, you know, there was a golden era for, uh, you know, for labor. We're not in that era, you know, and it would be interesting to look in, in a contextual sense. We're, we're only going back 30 years. As you know, that golden era was probably uh, more than 60 years ago. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's nonetheless an interesting uh, context or story. 30 years of strike, see how a UAW walkout would stack up. Very interesting. So uh, with that, why don't you set the stage for us? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, there may have been a golden era for labor in terms of the number of people who were involved in work stoppages. Um, so that might be strikes or uh, lockouts where an employer would prevent uh, workers from, from coming in and working. Um, but it is certainly not now. Um, so if you take a slightly longer look, um, if you go back to about 1950, as we do at the end of the story, uh, you can see that what we've been seeing since basically the late 1980s has been really just a, a fraction of the strike activity that we saw before that. Um, and, you know, I think that we've had a lot of really prominent, uh, really well-covered strike activity this year uh, between UAW, the sag after strike. Uh, UPS didn't wind up striking, but it came close. Um, and so that's been, I think, really remarkable for people given the way that the last 30 years have been, uh, where there's been very, very little strike activity. Um, so what we tried to do with this piece was sort of show show how um, how what's happening this year compares to the recent past, where it's very impressive, uh, and then how it compares to the sort of further back past, where um, this uh, work stoppages and strikes used to be much, much more common. 
Yeah, and much more uh, profound and for longer periods of time. And, I mean, they were they were just way more comfortable with those back in the day. And I guess a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's that these, these non-activities, if you will, these stoppages, they don't have, they do not happen in a vacuum. You know, they, they happen with economic consequences that, that force, force in the minds of the business owners uh, to move to places that, for example, don't have closed union shop laws, that are right-to-work states and things like that, all in an effort to make it easy to navigate labor. And let's face it, right-to-work has only been growing in its prominence. And for the listener, some states make it easy for, for um, businesses or for employees to unionize. Uh, those are called, uh, and those can lead to, I don't want to be too simplistic, uh, to close union shops where once they're in, they're in, and they're very strong. Um, and then there's some where they make it very difficult for them to get established, and they're all much more flexible uh, for the business owners to deal with. Those have been on the rise, and the closed union shops have, have obviously been in decline for decades. Yeah, I mean, the union membership in this country, uh, I think it's about 10% of workers are in unions, and that's a, that's a record low as of uh, 2022. Um, 40 years ago, you know, it was, it was 20%. Um, so the, I think the sort of strength of labor has, has shrunk as the proportion of workers involved in, in unions has, has shrunk as well. Um, so, part, yeah, I think that part of that shrinkage is, uh, right to work states, where uh, you could also call them right to fire states, depending on what yep. side of uh, what side of this you're looking at, um, and uh, uh, some of it though is that you know around the late 1980s, which is where you see work stoppage activity really fall off. Um, you, it's it's that employers started really replacing workers. Um, they didn't used to do that in the decades before that. Uh, people would go on strike, and the um, the employers wouldn't hire people to to replace them. And then they started doing that, you know, in the in the late 1980s, as sort of globalization started to squeeze them a little bit more. Um, so it was more, I, I think, that in the 1980s, you started to see people, um, I guess, throwing their weight around a little bit more when it came to these kinds of disputes. Um, and of yeah. course, like you said, the um, in terms of work stoppages, uh, you know, it really does depend on the broader economic context. When you look at stoppages in the last 30 years even, I mean, things just ground to a halt around the time of the Great Recession. Um, and by things, I mean, you know, the number of people on strike in a given year, um, which of course makes sense. It's really hard to go on strike when it's really hard to get a job in the first place. Yes. What's the saying? Beggars can't be choosers. And in environments like that, they can feel like beggars, uh, and they feel like they have very few options. Yeah, and so growing up, so like in my case, I, I grew up in the Detroit area, uh, you know, uh, back after the heyday, after the heyday uh, period of time. But i got to tell you, uh, I would say more than half of the family couples that I knew in my neighborhood, and it was a middle-class neighborhood, uh, were were had had family members that were in un- unions. I mean, it was astonishing. And of course, that was Detroit, and that was really Shangri La for unions um, until the seventies, obviously, and early eighties. Um, but yeah, it really is interesting to see the decline. And I don't see, you know, what I was interesting to me 
Alyssa, is that I see, you know, interesting stories pop up around unionization in places where they never existed before, like Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that's been really interesting in the last five or so years is, like you said, um, unioniz- well, not necessarily unionization efforts, but strikes specifically starting in places where you wouldn't have looked for them before. So it's not a surprise uh, that public school teachers are unionized, but the biggest levels of strike activity in the last 30 years were, di- were for the, sorry, were during the Red for Ed strikes in 2018 and 2019. Uh, and they were called Red for Ed because these strikes really started in what we think of as deep red states. I believe the first ones were in West Virginia, um, and you saw strikes in, uh, in North Carolina, in Oklahoma, in Arizona. Um, and, you know, it was really this this really striking and sudden wave of of strike activity after a really long time where there'd been almost nothing. Yeah, but at one point in history, they were were some of the biggest locations for strikes. How interesting. How odd. Kind of going back to their roots. Now I'm going back decades when I say that. <laughs> so, but what are some of the what are some of the takeaways uh, that you you observed in this? And by the way, I, I again we're going to have a link to this article over at uh, PriceOfBusiness.com. But I got to tell you, this is a fun article. I mean, even though it's a rough subject, it is just so interesting to look at. And I, I walked away with so much more information and nuance and context that, frankly, don't get us with words. And I love to read. I read three books a month on average. Um, but you don't get that kind of nuance and context like you, you can with this digital a- approach that you take that, that is – Con, you know, content with digital is just phenomenal. Um, but uh, I, so I want to encourage the uh, listener to check it out. Again, we'll have the uh, link over at priceofbusiness.com. But I'd like you to give us a couple of takeaways, final thoughts. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's it's been a really interesting year for strikes. I think there have been a lot of really major contracts that have come up for renewal, and that's part of why we've seen so much strike activity this year. Um, but also you know, we're, there's a little bit more uh, labor power than there's been in a really long time um, due to the sort of years of difficulty with hiring in uh, tighter labor markets. One thing also that I think is really interesting, and we'll have to see how it goes with the UAW strike, uh, is that I sort of traditionally think of the size of strikes by um, how many people are on strike. But in the case of the UAW strike, they're thinking about doing more, I guess, sort of precision strikes. So, Rather than all 150,000 of them walking off at once, having just one, you know, the workers in just one critical place walk off to sort of um, pull everything else to a stop. So we could be in a position where you have a relatively small number of workers uh, in a work stoppage that has a huge impact. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Alyssa, thanks so much for being with us, Alyssa, uh, Alyssa Fowers. Uh, if I say it too quickly, it sounds like flowers, flowers <laughs> over at the, I bet you heard that a lot as a little girl and still hitting you. Um, yep. But uh, <laughs> kids are so cool. You could have been worse, though, I, you know, uh, but uh, Washington Post reporter, so much fun uh, to have on. She's been on before. I'm going to start asking for you by name when I talk to uh, your uh, team over there at the Washington Post, they, who all of whom are great to work with. They do such a good job providing great writers like you. Thanks so much for your time. Great to be here, and I love getting the invite. Thank you. I'm Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Staking for more after this.